Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thanks for riding along today. My first memory of fishing, we're in a little town about 90 miles west of my old hometown up there in north central Colorado mountains. It's where my great-grandparents had homesteaded up in that area and my grandpa and grandma moved east years later. My Aunt Lola owned that ranch back up in there. Connie and I used to go and get chased by these big old pigs. You'd think they're going to eat you. And they probably would if they catch you. But my first memory of fishing at all, there's a little pond there. And my Uncle Sam was out on a rowboat fishing and just catching fish. Now I'm not sure just how good this memory is. Because I think we had a home movie of that one time. There's Uncle Sam chewing gum like a mother, holding a fish up, taking a fish off its hook, catching another fish, turning around smiling. But I do remember it. I know the aid of the video, and somewhere in that gray area of time, my first memory of ever seeing a fish being caught was there with Uncle Sam. I'm not saying it's the first time or even the first time I caught a fish. I'm not sure. I remember bringing fish home with my dad and putting them in the kitchen sink. Dad filling them full of water, cold water, and filling that sink up. And I'd look at those fish and their eyes looking back at me. Maybe I kind of touched their eye. Kind of jump of the water kind of rippled a little. Thought that was great fun. I just can't remember fishing with my dad. We had to have fished. I remember the poles he had out in the garage, big long poles, and they had yellow string on it. And I thought that was weird because I had a little fishing pole and rod and reel, kind of like a Zebco, you know. And his reel was bigger and flatter, had this yellow string out of it. What I figured out later in life as I got older is those were fly rods and not spinning rods, but I had no idea. I thought maybe my dad either knew how to fish better than I did or didn't know how to fish at all because he didn't even have the right kind of pole. Shucks, he might as well just had a bamboo pole and a string with a safety pin hooked to the end of it, for all I knew. Anyway, those fish, you'd poke them in the water. Mom tell you, leave those fish alone. She's going to get to them a little bit and clean them and all that stuff. That night, she'd cook us fresh trout for dinner. Didn't happen very often. We usually had fish sticks or something like that. Once in a while, we'd have fish, and Mom would flay them out and lay it out there and take that bone out and tell us, be so careful, kids. Be so careful. A bone could make you choke to death. Make sure you don't have a bone. I was always afraid to eat that fish because I didn't want a bone to choke me to death. You pull those bones out and there's the spine and all these little thin bones. Man, I don't want those in my throat. Another memory I have of fishing when I was a kid is Francis and Elaine from the Trading Post took me out on the big lake one day, just the three of us, on their boat. It was an early Sunday morning and we spent the day out there trolling for fish. We catch these kokanee salmon. They're silver fish, and they weren't real big, but they give a good little fight between the 
movement of the boat and the fish fighting. And we caught a bunch of fish that day. I always remember that. That's the most interaction I believe I ever had with Elaine. And I knew her very well, knew her my whole life. Francis was always down at the store and I always saw him around. But Elaine, as she got older, she stopped going into the store so much. But that was a fun day and I caught a slew of fish. And they asked me how many I wanted to take home. And so I asked my mom. My mom, I think, said, what are you going to do with them, Francis? And he said he's going to smoke them. Mom said, well, could we have some after they're smoked? And sure thing. If you've never had smoked kokanee salmon, you're missing quite a treat. I'm telling you that right now. Another time I was fishing, and I was probably about 12 years old by then. Terry and I were 10 miles west of my little town, fishing in the Colorado River right before it goes through a canyon. Right by us, up on the hill a little bit, is that old swimming pool that I learned to swim in. And we're right there as the river takes a bend there and enters the canyon. Terry said, this is good fishing. Well, true to form, I got my hooks nagged on a rock out in the middle of the river. Now, Terry had a rod and reel that was different than mine. And I'd never really seen one like this before. What it was, it was an open bale instead of the closed-in reel. And so Terry said, okay, you hold my pole. Don't touch anything. Don't turn the crank. Don't do anything. Just sit there. What about if I catch a fish, Terry? You yell at me. I'll come. I'm going to go get your line all unhooked from that rock out there. So Terry proceeded to go out into the river a little to fetch my hook off of the rock or whatever I snagged onto. Well, 12-year-old boy being told not to do something... And as soon as that person tells you not to do something, they turn their back and they're walking away from you. That old open bale reel started talking to me. Said, you can turn me just a little. You need to move that lure just a little. Come on, move it just a little. So I did just a little. Then I thought maybe I shouldn't. And I cranked her backwards. And then I wondered if that line was actually being reeled up when I did that. So I checked out the line, and one thing led to another. And next thing you know, I had me a ball of fishing line. Well, about the time I figured out I couldn't fix this, Terry comes back, looks at me, asks what I was doing. So I explained to him that I really wasn't doing anything. Well, that ruined our day of fishing. Terry got mad at me. Told me he was going to have to go fix his reel. Somehow we got a ride back to town. Probably his dad was up river fishing or something. I don't know. I can't remember that part. All I know is that's the first time I ever saw an open bale reel. Later on in life, Dave and I went down to old Fletcher's. And we both bought this backpacking set that had a waterproof case that you put your rod in. And the rod... The way you did the handle in it, it could be either a spinning rod or a fly rod. And then I bought an open bale reel, and we started fishing like nobody's business. We went all up in the mountains and fished for brook trout. We were fishing for rainbow and brown trout out of the lakes and the mouth of the lake where the rivers empty into them. 
in the late, late fall when the kokanee salmon were running, we were snagging those fish. The owners of marinas come run you out of there. We went up different mountain passes and fished in beaver ponds and small lakes. Always had to watch out for the suckers. The sucker is a fish that it looks like its nose grew into its mouth. They're the ugliest fish and I had swore years before when I first learned how to fish to never touch a sucker. It's kind of the rule of all the males that ever fished up in that country. If a sucker hits your line, you just cut the line. Lose your hook, lose your lure, lose your salmon eggs or your worm. Doesn't matter, leave that sucker on the shore. Now that may sound cruel, but a sucker is not a desirable fish, and there are plenty of suckers. One time, Dave told me the story about he was snorkeling up by the canal that connected a couple of the lakes, and all of a sudden a school of suckers ran into him, about beat him up. But what he was grossed out at was all those suckers touching him, and he couldn't do anything about it. So you don't want to catch a sucker. Now I know people that would argue with you and say they're very tasty. Just got to watch those bones. Very bony. Bones? You might choke on the bone. I don't want to have one thing to do with a sucker. No siree. I don't. Those rainbow trout are pretty fish. The cutthroats are amazing. For me, that was always the hardest fish to catch. I didn't ever catch many. The rainbows, though, and the brookies, I could catch those a plenty. One time we were up on a pass going towards the west there, and there's a little lake kind of off of the road there. You could actually see it, so we stopped the car and went over there and caught a mess of fish. I think they were called whitefish, called a mountain whitefish. We called them whitefish back then. And so we went to gut them out, caught six or eight of them pretty rapidly. And these things were full of these big, flat worms. It was the grossest thing I ever saw. We just threw them out there for the coyotes and the raccoons to eat. It was nasty. I have no idea what those worms were, if they would have hurt us, if we would have eaten the fish. But it was the grossest thing I ever had while fishing. Another way of fishing is ice fishing up in that country, and I never liked that. I knew some guys that fell in one time, and what happens at that lake is the lake freezes over. Then they pump the water out. They pump the water out of those lakes and send them over onto the eastern side of the Continental Divide to provide water for farming and agriculture and all the population over there. And so the lake could freeze, then they could pump the lake down five feet. Now you fall through the ice, and there's no way you could rescue yourself. No way anybody see you. You're five foot below the surface of the ice, and you're dead. So I never really much liked ice fishing, but I used to go out and check on friends or something once in a while. If you go out in the very late fall, maybe before the ice, or maybe as the ice is breaking in the early spring, you can catch a fish called a Mackinac, a lake trout. And those guys get so huge, it's unreal. I never had the privilege to catch one. It's probably because me and the ice. I don't know. Later on, I went to Ontario, worked at a fishing lodge, clear up in the middle of the province there. 
caught northern pike and walleye like nobody's business. And I didn't even go out with the scouts and took out all the gas and stuff. I was just fishing from around there, off the docks, off the shore there. That was a lot of fun. First northern pike I caught, I thought was the biggest fish in the world. One of my very first days working there. And old Ernie, the head scout, told me to throw that baby back. And he was right. Those fish got quite large. Northern pike is an alligator with no legs. You gotta watch yourself around them. They give a nice fight. That's a fact. My dad must have taken us fishing more than I remember. Because I remember going and digging up the worms. I remember bringing the fish back and throwing them in the kitchen sink and playing with their eyeballs. I remember my brother John taking the rest of the worms from the day's fishing into the bathtub with them, playing with them there. I remember Mom telling us the dangers of choking on a bone. I wish I could remember fishing with my dad, though. Now, he was a fast mover and didn't have a lot of patience, and maybe that's why I blocked it out. It's not like just the two of us sat somewhere with the Andy Griffith Show theme song playing in the background, talking about all things going on in our lives. No shoes on, piece of straw hanging out of the corner of our mouth. None of that action, no siree. My pond where I live is a very nice fishing pond. When we first bought the pond, we had a bunch of channel catfish a few of them were albino. You throw a product out there that looks like dog food and they'd all swarm and eat it and it's big fun. Just looked like the water was boiling. Had a couple pond turns and I don't have any channel catfish anymore. But I have big old bass that give quite a fight. Nice crappie, wonderful little old bluegills that when you try to hold them, take the hook out of their mouth, that little spiny part of their back, Gotta watch it, you'll get ducked by them. Some perch, and of course I've got those grass carp. I think that's what a sucker is, is a form of carp. But these guys maintain my pond from all the weeds and a bunch of the algae, the invasive plants and all that stuff. They do a good job. They get quite large. I've spoken about this on a podcast before. One time during a pond turn, when I was fishing out all those dead fish because that's what happens all your fish in your pond die if you're fortunate it won't kill them all but I had 50 pound grass carp come floating to the surface on their belly dead as a doornail just laying there in the heat of the summer my wife loves to go fishing I'll look out my window while I'm trying to put together a podcast or something she's out there catching a bass jumping up in the air trying to get away, giving her a heck of a fight. It's fun to watch her. She'll take the fish right off the hook. Sometimes she'll call me and say, look out your window. Once in a while, I go fishing with her. When the grandkids come, they like to go fishing. I've got one grandkid that he gets so focused on fishing, you've got to force them inside. I like those kids that don't need you to take their fish off the hook. But that seems to be my job whenever we have company or kids over. I'm too busy to fish myself during that time, and that's okay. I love to see a kid catch a big old fish. they jump up and down and call their siblings around them. Where's mom? Where's dad? So here I am looking out my window, 
It's a beautiful summer day. I probably should be out there. It's been raining so much the pond is over full. Going out the overflows like nobody's business. The dragonflies are flying around. The bass jump up and catch them once in a while. What a beautiful sight. Thank you for riding along today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, there are links to our Facebook page, to places you can access our podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, and others. In a perfect world, everyone would be kind. But you do not have to be perfect to exercise that. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.